calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. You know, I was collabing on a podcast, and then I eventually, like, started hot takes and deep dives, which is truly the blend of everything I was doing on Autostraddle with the Bravo Housewives you know, it leans very heavy into that. But yeah. I also interview people like Rosie O'Donnell and right. Margaret Cho and Rachel Drag, people that have nothing yeah. to do with Rob, but I find a, an angle that... Right. Around. And it, it really is the perfect marriage of both Carolyn's and I's, like, interests. It feels like it was meant to be. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out! Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that is fully vaccinated against the patriarchy. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali, and today we're diking out with podcaster and writer Jess Rothschild about reality queers. So excited for you on this one, Melody. This was huge for me. I'm excited because we were both excited to talk to Jess because as you'll all learn, she just, she's like the coolest. Where if we were to make a Venn diagram of my interests and Melody's interests, the middle. Perfectly the middle. Is just Rothschild. Fills out the middle. Right, right. Some quick announcements, as always, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stereo, we're still on there. Hell yeah. Three times a week. We're having fun, right? I had a lot of fun, especially this last week. Yeah, we had a really good app about LGBTQ terms and had a good discussion about like what do these terms mean, what were their origins, and we posted that actually on Patreon because we thought it was a great discussion. So you can go to the link in our show notes and sign up for free for Stereo. It's a great way to support us and get extra content, again, for free. And make sure you follow Melody Kamali and TGI Carolyn on the app so you get notifications when we go live. Yes. Because we're not the best about scheduling. Knowing ahead of time yeah. Yeah, <laughs> when we're going to go live and promoting Sometimes it. Sometimes our weeks are busy, believe it or not. And also on Patreon, you can get extra content every week. We talk about this week Kalani, Angel Olsen. We talk about Mayor of Easttown. Raven Simone's talking Amber Heard. Just all the good stuff. It's on Patreon. 
One last announcement. May 16th, some of you have been asking about our Dyke Cookout with Dyke Beer. It's going to be at noon at Queens Bridge Park. Probably by the baseball fields. I think they want to get a, a kickball game going out before it gets crowded. So we'll have more details on exactly where in the park. But Queensbridge Park in Queens, there are going to be vegan hot dogs for sale by Yeah Dogs. We're going to have, well, there's going to be Dyke Beer for sale. They have a new batch. We're going to have a form on our Instagram so you can volunteer to bring things. We're going to be needing portable grills if anybody has them and coolers and just some general help so if you're interested keep an eye out on instagram for that all right all right it's time baby yeah carolyn what's the gayest thing you did this week girl i finally did it melody i confirmed a booking for a gaycation you know now that i am vaccinated or at least in two weeks i will be fully vaxxed i Planned a trip to P-Town, going to P-Town, finally making the pilgrimage, spending a week there with past guest Veronica Garza and her girlfriend. And we're going during like Women's Week or Dyke Week or whatever it's called. And I know (laughs) I don't think they're having it like officially this year. So unofficially seems more my speed. Like I feel like if it was a full-on regular week like this, it'd be too many people and too much of a crowd for me. But this seems very ideal that it's just going to be vaccinated queers descending on Provincetown for a week of safe fun. (laughs) I feel safer COVID-wise in a queer area, you know? Or I just know that a majority of the people who will be in P-Town will be vaccinated compared to Myrtle Beach, you know? Like- to other places. <laughs> I know. I see a lot of people going to Mexico. I'm like, you know, the people that have been taking trips to Mexico are all of the like anti-mask, anti-vax people. Like that's what's stopping me from taking a vacation somewhere a little bit more yeah. exotic, let's say, is that all of the anti-maskers I see are just going to Mexico and spreading COVID there and it's not cool. No. And I don't want to be at a resort with them. Sorry. But I'm excited about this and I know it's going to be coming up. It's around Memorial Day weekend and I know some of our listeners who are vaccinated are going to be there. So I'm excited to run into y'all and I'm going to see if maybe there's comedy going around. Maybe I can get up on a show or something. Maybe I should hit up Judy Gold, Judy Gold, mayor of Provincetown and see if she needs an opener. You have to. Judy Gold said to us, quote, I love you, Lezzies, and I'll never get over that. And I think that's grounds for reaching out to her. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Now that she she loves this Lezzie here. Actually, before the May 16th hang, I'm going to go back to the pink hair. That's going to be the the signal that I'm reemerging into society. Easily identified. Identifiable. Right, right. I'm kind of torn about it. I don't know. Should I, Melody? I don't know. <laughs> I personally like your hair when you got it cut the shortest it was. Yeah? And the, like, leftover, like, it wasn't hot pink, but it was, oh, I guess it was your natural hair color. It's my natural like, hair color and then, like, yeah, a little bit of... Because you already have yeah. color. Right. So, I'm not for the pink hair, but I get like 
for the brand, <laughs> I feel like you need your hair back. But listen, I love my wife, and I don't want her to have to change our logo again. I just don't <laughs> want to have to change that. And I feel like all of my headshots, everything is pink hair. And then I come on a show, and then I have this more like strawberry blonde type hair. But then I also, I don't know. I look at old pictures, and I'm like, I miss that. I miss my hair being to my shoulders and being pink. And I'm going to do that again. But then I'm like, but I did all the work of growing it out. <laughs> and I, yeah. I don't know. I uh, liked your COVID hair. Yeah. I really do. All right. And I've been getting my hair cut shorter and shorter. I really am getting the Rosamund bob. Yeah. Sorry. I can't wait. <laughs> maybe an inch longer. But yeah, maybe Cecilia will have to edit the logo. Yes. Hey, we're coming out of COVID changed women. Yeah. We're trying out different things. We're evolving. Our hair's getting gayer. Let's embrace it. Yes. But the pink hair for the listeners, I could, I could understand them wanting you to dye it because you are so easily identifiable. Like before I knew you, I just, I recognized you at the Dyke March from afar. Like I saw your hair Yeah, and I hadn't been on the podcast yet. I don't think, but I was just like, that's that girl. Like I saw you at Washington Square Park from afar, actually. Right. Right. And I both love and hate that. (laughs) And then I saw your diking out post that was like, we love running into our listeners. I was like, that was her. Like after like a month later, I was on the podcast and saw that post. But yeah, yeah. If anyone listener is like, I want to see Carolyn in P-Town. Like, <laughs> yeah, your pink hair I'm gonna, would really help. I'm going to put a poll on Instagram and maybe that will help me decide of what I do with my hair. Because Cecilia says she actually misses it longer. So I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, enough about me. Melody, I need to know what's the gayest thing you did this week. All right. I'll take weeping throughout the Drag Race finale for 1,000, Alex. Oh. Wow. I wept. Like, I couldn't stop. I, I Okay, so the finale was last night. The theme of it was friendship. And I don't know if it's because of the very touching, moving tribute to Bette Midler's Friends rendition they did, they performed. The reference to the AIDS pandemic and like that against our current pandemic and then maybe me missing my friends and just marveling at the friendship of this top four drag race obviously drag queens are can be really like mean and uh, and roast each other and read each other it's literally a built-in challenge in the competition the reading challenge like right it's it's a snarky show but we've never really seen a top four top three of contestants that have just loved each other so much like they are such good friends and it's been beautiful to watch and I really think it's like maybe it's going to be a post-COVID thing moving forward where there is more of a closeness and camaraderie between the contestants but wow I could not stop crying and I would just (laughs) turn to Allie and I just kept saying they love each other (laughs) They love each other so much. That's nice to see. That's good to like, see. I love that. I have to ask, what was Gottmik in the top four? Yes. Okay. Yes. Gottmik did not win. Okay. Everyone sort of knew Simone, who is, I knew from the beginning Simone would win, and deservedly so. Amazing, inventive, like, the fashion, the, just art, 
coming from this drag queen. Amazing. I'm so excited to watch their career. And then I wept during Got Mix section. They all did an interview with Rue before lip syncing for their lives and battling it out. And Got Mick had a video package from their parents that was just full of love and support. Uh, I started crying at the support from Got Mick's parents. I was crying. And crying at the support from Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton said in, uh, sent in a video yes. package because Gottmik does Paris's makeup and was actually the first celebrity client Gottmik ever had. They have a relationship. Beautiful. Uh, what didn't I cry? I cried at Candy Muse. One of the contestants is a Dominican drag queen from the Bronx. Been through a lot and has a lesbian mom who sent in her video package. Wow. I cried. That Candy's lesbian mom showing so much love and support. And he did a shout out to his moms and said he wouldn't be where he was and was just so grateful for his moms. Ah, I don't know. I don't cry. And when I do, it's so random. And this doesn't sound It random. doesn't stop. Yeah, this sounds like <laughs> I could watch this after only watching clips from this season, based on things that you've said, I was like, I want to see Got Mix impression of Paris Hilton, that kind of stuff. But I could watch this finale, and I'd probably also be crying the whole time. Those all sound like beautiful, yeah. cry-worthy moments. I love it. It's weird sobbing and being thoroughly entertained at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> what good TV? Love it. Yeah. So good. Good. That sounds pretty gay. Yeah, right? Yes. Feelings? <laughs> Having feelings, not bottling them up, and Drag Race, which is a reality TV program, which gets us into our interview for today. So today we are diking out about queer reality TV with one of the OG writers for Autostraddle, Jess Rothschild. But more importantly, Jess is the host of the Hot Takes and Deep Dives podcast, which has some phenomenal interviews with daikons and reality TV stars. Let's get into it. Jess, thank you so much for diking out with us today. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm honored. We love it because I feel like you and uh, your interests, it's like if me and Melody had a baby. Yes. And then that's you. Mm-hmm. Just wow. a lot of cross interests. We love it. We can't wait to get into it. But before... We got to ask, what is the gayest thing you did this week? Okay, so... This ties perfectly into what we're about to talk about. And you're gonna, you may not even believe me, but this is absolutely true. So I have to ask a question before I tell you what the gayest thing I did this week is. <laughs> All right. Did either one of you, hopefully both of you, in the year 2001 or the year 2000, watch season two of Survivor, the Australian Outback? Yes. Did you, Melody? No, I, in the pandemic, have been skipping around other seasons and started with like 16. Okay, but did, okay, okay, good answer. But did did you watch at least All Stars or Heroes and Villains? Yes, Heroes and Villains. All right, okay, guys, I need you to sit down. So, (laughs) okay. So, you know, Jerry Manthe? Yeah. Like fucking icon. 
Yes, yes, yes. He so, is on this list. Yeah, yeah. I no, she, to... she, she, she's she's so check. Oh, then I'm thinking of the wrong person. She's Wait, got who am I thinking? she's got curly hair. She was deemed she was dubbed the Black Widow and like the villain act, the original villain oh, of okay. Survivor. Look up a photo. I'm, okay. I'm looking up a photo right yeah. now. J e r r i m a n t h e y. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I watched the first two seasons and then like never went to revisit. She had that love-hate romance, sort of romance with Colby. Okay, <laughs> yes. So how does yes. this tie into your gayest thing? Okay, so I was obsessed with this chick when she was on Survivor. And, you know, a, a lot of my show is me just sort of, it's it's a lot of like wish fulfillment for like who I was at like age 18, 19 and like, those are the get like, uh, Perfect. you know, yes. a lot of significant, you know, the year 2000, you know, I would say like 98 to 2003 were like the most formative years of my life. And so a lot yes. of my pop culture references are squarely in that. So I interviewed Jerry for, for the podcast and we legit became friends like after, like we stayed on the Zoom for like two hours after recording. Oh my yes. She currently lives, I live in New York as, you know, like you guys. She now lives and works as a private chef and wine expert in Napa Valley. Okay. <gasps> wow. So oh I, now separately, I have had these plans to go to Palm Springs with my best friend from college for a few months at this point. And, but meanwhile, Jerry and I talk like every day, like voice notes, text. We've, we've made like cocktails wow. over FaceTime. We're like, I so love she's like, so much. So I stayed with her in Napa after Palm Springs. I flew to Napa. And when you guys were contacting me yesterday through DM to come on the show, I was literally flying home from staying with Jerry. That is the gayest thing I did this week. Yeah. Wow. Oh wow. my God. How could I make that up? I mean, that's like, I hope people get these references. This is very... That's amazing. That's no. so cool. Yeah. I now, now that I like refreshed, I think, was there a Playboy? Yes. She was so popular. She was on Howard Stern a bunch. Yeah. She yeah. was on the Rosie okay. O'Donnell show, Letterman. She was like, for a moment in time, she was one of the biggest reality stars out there because she was so hated on yeah. Survivor. And yes, as Celine Dion says, it's all coming back to me now. Uh, yeah, she was invited. Like yeah, she was invited to to pose for Playboy, which she did for like a million bucks. Yeah, back in like two thousand one. Okay. Wow. wow. Is this one of your roots? Like, is this like that's huge? <laughs> Does she know you were in love with her? <laughs> I mean, I do start the interview with like. I literally, the first thing out of my mouth is, I have loved you forever. <laughs> she's not gay. The thing is, she's not gay. Yeah. She, but. Now, I mean, I really know her well now. Like, I mean, I know every, I mean, yeah. the thing is she's dating this guy and it's like sort of getting serious, but she also like will kind of do anything. Like if she, I really feel that if she wasn't seeing this guy who she's really into, we would have hooked up this weekend, <laughs> this week, like without, like without a doubt in my it. mind. I love yeah. it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Gayest thing of your life. Right. Like she's got so like the fact that she she said she's had this problem with guys her whole life like her energy she's very strong masculine energy and it's very threatening to yes. guys. And I'm like, "Ooh, I love that." Like that's what I I'm one of the rare people that I think that I have that energy and that's what I'm drawn to in 
in other women. So yes. it's hard for me to it's hard, it's hard for those things to align kind of in the package that you're looking for, but energy right. wise, like I love her mask. Like, ah, like, but anyway, it reminds wow. me of yeah. that one episode of the L word. And it was like in the later seasons where they were talking about the Les girls movie and all the different pairings. And they have like bet and Helena and it's just them like kind of wrestling to, to top and yeah, that's what they were that like, that would never happen. That's what <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And with Survivor, too, I feel like one of the appeals, because I, I was never, other than like the real world and all of that, never that into reality TV, but with Survivor, it's like when you strip women down like that, they all right. feel inherently queer. You know, they're all having to use their strength and their wits and play games and stuff. And it just makes them all seem queer. Even Elizabeth Hasselbeck. It's like, you're queer. It's because they're all in like wife beaters and like army yes. pants. And they obviously aren't wearing makeup. And they're doing these I think the survival instincts kick in. So they're not, although there is this one chick who's like notorious for like this chick par- poverty. Poverty, her, yes. yes. I was waiting for her to be brought her up. Her gameplay is through like <laughs> flirting with men, women, whatever. And this, she is one survivor, like multiple. Yeah. She, yeah but. Well, speaking of you talking to people that were really important in your formative years. You recently had an episode with my idol, Rosie O'Donnell. I listened to the interview and just, it's like the perfect interview. Your questions, it was so amazing. You got so many scoops. Thank you. I loved it. I wish it was 10 times as long. I was like, this is such a great conversation. Wow. How was that? Like, have you, have you met Rosie before or anything? I had never met Rosie before. Okay. I had never met her before, but I knew that if I, this took a while, by the way, to like secure on the show. Oh, and, and I didn't know all about that. I mean, Rosie is somebody who I grew up watching. I mean, I knew Rosie before she even had her show. You know, I was watching the movies, A League of Their Own, right. Sleepless in Seattle. I was, a, you know, a fan of her stand up. And there are a lot of parallels between she and I, like the Long Island connection. She grew up for a little further out than I did, but. I knew that if I were ever to meet her, it would be like meeting a friend from high school. And so right. she was, she really was like the number one dream guest, like get to, yep. to see if I could sort of get on the podcast. And I was having pretty good luck getting like some bigger names. And my best friend was like, you know what? It was on the heels of, I, I had interviewed Margaret Cho, who I'd interviewed before in a previous, I was a writer for this lesbian website, which like, we'll get into my history and all that. Yes, I mean, yes, you guys may please. not even be aware of all that. I was a, a pop culture writer and interviewer for autostraddle.com. And I helped found that website with the the little crew of, oh, like, wow. of, of like OG. I knew who, you were an early writer. I didn't know you were one of the founders. Right. Wow. I mean, okay. I was there when it launched. Yeah. Wow. Like pretty, yeah. Like pretty much day one. Yeah. Gay amazing. Gay yeah. amazing. <laughs> and I had experience like interviewing big people like there, this is like 2009, you know, during those, I was with them maybe three, four years, you know, through there I interviewed Sandra Bernhard. Another dream. Oh yeah. Like dream. Melissa Ferrick. 
everyone from the real L word and, you right. know, I got to interview Jennifer Beals and Laurel Holloman from the L word. Yes. A lot of, a lot of people, a lot of names right. that, and also Margaret Cho. And so when I came back around all these years later and interviewed Margaret Cho again and was able to get other people like Rachel Dratch from SNL. Like that was like a really big deal a few months ago, like for in the fall for me. And her cousin planned my first wedding. Very That's random. A, that is unbelievable. That's an unbelievable connection. But she also wouldn't <laughs> shut up about her cousin being Rachel Dratch. So it was like every time we went to look at a venue, she's like, uh, here's my scrapbook from when Rachel invited me to come watch a taping. <laughs> oh, my God. So anyway, so a friend of mine planted this seed in my head. He's like, why don't, why don't you interview Rosie? And I was like, Michael, you have to give me people who are gettable. Like, <laughs> I can't get to Rosie. And long story short, I found an inroad. Like he planted this idea in my head. Yeah. And it took months. It took a good five months. But it, it actually happened, and that's the result of what you know what you listen to, and so that's amazing. Yeah, and the whole Madonna connection, that too. Like I knew that if if I could get her, my goal was to do to do an interview that's as good as the Howard Stern interviews that she had done, like a, maybe a decade or so ago. He's like a big influence of mine. Yes, and you know he's not going to spend an hour talking about Madonna with her, but I will. I know. And I want to. Oh my gosh. So I, this is something like I often think about of like when Rosie finally comes on, mm-hmm. like how much do I talk about Madonna? How much do I bring up Madonna? And I was so glad that you asked about it. And the, the one story you got about the, the tuning. About the recording of this yes. used to be my playground. Oh yeah. my God. I'm like, oh, this is so good. This is gold. And, and get, even getting her to talk about you know, that iconic Letterman appearance where Madonna and Sandra Bernhardt, when they were like probably hooking up a a little bit. Definitely hooking up. Definitely. (laughs) No one really knows the true story, but like they're talking about going out to the cubby hole. So I literally say in the interview, like, what was your reaction to that? And like she like lit up like a Christmas tree. I'm like, this woman loves me. That was like so early in the interview. And I knew at that point there was just she was like oh like this is hilarious yeah yeah (laughs) so no with the questions you were asking I'm like uh (laughs) is just me are we the same person this is crazy she's asking everything I want to know I loved it everybody I know we're gonna plug it at the end but listen to Justice podcast yeah it's called it's called hot takes and deep dives yes yes so good Especially after we talk about all this reality stuff, people are going to be dying to listen as well. So your background, how did you come to be one of the the founders of Autostraddle, one of the OG writers? So Reese and Alex Vega, and also this chick, Haviland Stilwell, who was best friends with Reese and a few of the other players like Carly Usedin and her partner, they, they've literally remained together this entire time. They're now married. That was the original group. And I was a fan of Reese's blog. Before she started started Autostraddle, she used to write L-word recaps yes. for her blog. And as the L-word was ending, or maybe it was even the last season, she had built this amazing community through her blog, like through the comment section, like a legitimate, right. like maybe the, honestly, in retrospect, maybe there were like a hundred people, but it felt. <laughs> you know, maybe we're honestly talking about a hundred people. Yeah. 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 I remember it. Cause I used to read the recaps on 
after Ellen. And so die. Yeah. And yeah. then, but then I loved those so much that I wanted more. And that was how I found Reese's blog. As the L word was winding down, she was like, what's the next step? Like, how do we keep this community that she built based off the L word recaps? And through that, she created Autostraddle, which now it's like permutated into something that is no longer what it was. But at that specific time period, you know, 2009 was when it was founded. It was just the perfect expression of her writing really, I really felt in tune with like my personality, like sort of like a cynicism. These chicks were all based in New York. I was like, I want to connect and I want to see what I can do for the site. I had never, I was always a good writer, like in high school and stuff, but never wrote about pop culture. My real career was in tech, like web design. So that's initially what I pitched myself as. I met them like out at an event and I was like, hey, like I'd love to do work on your site. You know, at that time I was like a web designer, graphic designer. Like I would love to to do stuff. Meanwhile, I wound up never doing anything technical for them. And I think in before I even like was sort of given my first assignment, I was like, oh, wait, I have a really good idea to cover Whatever it was, I think somebody, whenever like someone gay was on the Howard Stern show, I would recap the, the appearance and I would record the audio and upload the audio. I did that for all of Rosie's appearances, all of like at that time, Sandra Bernhard was guesting a ton. Yeah. I love that too, because like Howard Stern, I think is thought about as being just like this very heteronormative thing for dudes. But I got really into Howard Stern in my late teens and early twenties because it was like one of few places at the time where you could hear people talking about gay stuff, weirdly enough. And he would just ask the question. He would just yeah. ask the questions. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. taboo there. And you had Robin. And and also, and I'll tell you through, you know, my little niche of friends, particularly that I had during that era, so many people listen to like my good friends, like I'd be like, do you listen to Howard? And they're like, oh, I'm obsessed. Like, did you hear like Wendy Williams was a regular guest and like that I was very compelled. I was also like sort of influenced by her, just the sort of will say anything. Yeah. And I will really ask anything. If I want the answer, if I'm curious, I will find a way to go there in a way that is satisfying for me and therefore the audience, but also makes the guest feel safe and comfortable. And I never take things out of context. If you're really listening to the full, you know, the transitions within the the interview. But anyway, that was how I became a writer was I I kept having these ideas and then eventually oh my god okay you'll appreciate this because you used to read after Ellen do you remember when they would do L word video blogs like video reenactments of the episodes (laughs) I vaguely remember it who was doing that remind me Jill Bennett okay and then two of her friends were doing it and then she started a date they had they started like these little web series within after Ellen. Again, this is all the year like 2009, 2010. Jill Bennett was like the breakout star of doing those. They were basically, they were recaps is what they were. They really were at the forefront of this whole recapping industry and all of that. And she became a huge, I mean, like celesbian, like like in the day, like she was literally like the most famous lesbian, you know, that's not 
Portia or Ellen or an actual celebrity. She was like a celebrity to like 200 lesbians. Right. You know, <laughs> it was like Liz Feldman to me on like our chart. Liz Feldman, yes. yes. <laughs> Perfect yes. example. Yes. So, yes, I was thinking, yeah. At all the straddle. So maybe like the following year or maybe a few months go, go by, we get invited to sponsor this lesbian cruise. It was called the Sweet Cruise. And we basically were there as press. And Jill and her girlfriend, this woman, Kathy DeBono, who was a therapist, she really came at stuff from like a psychological angle. People would write in questions. And I was very drawn to her as well. And they wound up getting together right before this cruise that we were going on, which, by the way, the performers on this cruise, a pre-SNL Kate McKinnon, <gasps> Julie Goldman, from uh, the, big, the Big Gay Set Show. Yes, she yes. later would move on to Bravo and get wow. things on there. Right. Erin Foley performed. Suzanne Westenhofer, like a lot of these great people yes, performed. Yes, yes. This was like an amazing like highlight. Meanwhile, cut to me the day before the cruise. I'm sitting down with that. And I'm like, they had just left after Ellen, which was a huge scandal. These were like the golden stars. And I sat there and I'm like, I'm going to get the story of why they left after Ellen. And Reese was like, you do you, baby. Like, she, like they weren't as passionate about that lesbian culture as I was. Like, I was so in the weeds. And they weren't talking to anybody. And so that was how I initially met them, was literally on the open seas of wow. wherever we were, like Mexico. And I just, you know, endeared myself to, to Jill and Kathy, who was her girlfriend, I said, I'd really love to interview. And they were like, oh, we love Autostraddle. We would love to do something with you guys. And I said, will you talk to me about why you left after Ellen? They thought about it and they were like, let's do it. And I did this interview. Meanwhile, I recorded on a little audio recorder. This is back in the days I was transcribing everything because it's a written website, you know, you know right, at, this, right. at this time. And I got the full story. And it like yes. blew up within like the little lesbian community. And from there on, I exclusively did interviews. I was like, oh, this is my wheelhouse. Yes. This is my wheelhouse. Oh, my God. Do you remember Shelley Wright, the country yes. music star? Yeah. It was the last thing we did before the pandemic was we went to go see her at City Vineyard. And yes. we got to meet her afterwards. Oh my God. And we thought that we were going to want to get her on. We thought we were going to have her do one of our like live shows and perform on our live shows. And she was like all about it. And then the pandemic hit and we're like, well, I guess oh we'll God. table that. Yeah. Okay. So get this. So I interviewed her, you know, 2010, let's say. That was a big year for her. You can go. Maybe it was 2012. I don't know. You can Google this. That interview went viral. It was picked up. She said something. I don't even remember. So many years have passed. But she said something in that interview that went on to go truly viral. Like it was picked up and we were linked. Like Autoshadow was linked with like the quotes she said, rollingstone.com, like every outlet, maybe even people.com, like every single. And that was when I kind of was like, there's something here. Like I, I kind of... Hmm, you know, I left Autostraddle and then all these years later, I fell into podcasting through a completely different route, like through the how I, you know, eventually, you know, became a huge like Housewives fan. And I started, you know, I was collabing on a podcast and then I eventually like started Hot Takes and Deep Dives, which is truly the blend of everything I was doing on Autostraddle with the Bravo Housewives 
you know, it leans very heavy into that. But yeah. I also interview people like Rosie O'Donnell and right. Margaret Cho and Rachel Drag, people that have nothing yeah. to do with Broadway, but I find a, an angle that, right. you know, I do a ton of Madonna stuff. You know, it's just anything that I... You know. And it, it really is the perfect marriage of both Carolyn's and I's like interests. I don't know if you can tell, like behind me right now, I have two throw pillows. One is all of Madonna's different outfits from like key music videos and tours, and the other one is uh, Rosie O'Donnell picking her nose. I'm dying. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> it feels like it was meant to be. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Well, we went through your personal journey with interviewing. I want to know about your journey to and through reality TV. You said you got into Housewives initially. Was that kind of your gateway? Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Or, you know, Not you love Survivor. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah. Talk me well, through no, it. Well, no, I wasn't. No, no, no. I wasn't even a huge Survivor fan. I just love Jerry Manthe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No, literally this weekend when I'm like alone with her in her house for two days, I was like, you know, I'm not a, like, I watched your season of Survivor. <laughs> like. <laughs> I, I was a Jerry Manthe fan. I was not 
I mean, Survivor's a great show, but that's not, you know. Yeah. No, the real world was my entry yes. point into the world of reality TV. That show, like, changed my life. Yes. yes. Let's talk about it. What were your favorite seasons, your favorite cast members? Genesis from the real world, Boston, was, like, pivotal. She will not do my podcast because she, quote, hates the sound of her voice. Wow. Um, That's good to know because she's also been on my list of <laughs> She's not going to do it. She won't. She wow. and and That's I've had other I've interviewed a lot of real worlders who are friends with her yeah. and they've like asked on my behalf and like she she told me we've like DM and she's like I don't even do podcasts of like people who are like in the in I'm, I gotta wear her down I gotta find another way she doesn't have to <laughs> listen to it if she doesn't like her voice just don't listen to it that's the point I know I'm with <laughs> Come you on, Genesis I'm with you so yeah I would say Genesis Danny Roberts. From the real world, New Orleans. He was yes. the guy dating the guy in the military during Don't Ask, Don't Tell. His face yeah. was always blurred. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was like iconic. Like at the time, like I loved him. I loved watching him. And I, I did interview him uh, on the show and he was amazing. I remember Rachel Robinson and Veronica from like, you know, the challenge, like Road Rules, the challenge. Right. Oh, I loved, oh my gosh. I, I loved the challenge so yeah. much. Yeah. You know, she's now, Rachel is now a Barry's boot camp instructor in Miami. And oh, I've, really? And I've taken her class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. Well, speaking of Boston, did you ever feel that Montana read as queer? I loved Montana. She was like a chaotic bisexual to me. I, I don't love know. <laughs> that you brought Montana into this conversation. I was obsessed because Genesis was like a little too quiet for me, but I'm like, there's something about like Montana that I'm very drawn to. And I feel like she'd make out with me at a party. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Remember her boyfriend's name was Vaj. V-A-J. <laughs> Vaj. Vaj. <laughs> She likes Vag. (laughs) I loved her. I also loved, listen, San Francisco with Pedro um, and and all of them and Judd, the the cartoonist. I had Mohammed on from the real world San Francisco recently, and he was amazing. The way he was able to communicate just how significant Pedro was all these years later. Right. That recently came out. It yeah. was a different time then, too, because there wasn't any other reality TV. So you just have the real world. That's why years later, when you say like, oh, yeah, Veronica, I'm like, yes, I know exactly who that is. I remember all these details. You know who I loved? Anissa. Remember Anissa? Oh, Anissa? Chicago, right? Loved her. Yeah. I was way in. I was into her vibe, like into her energy. She stuck with me. I remember when she said that she was bisexual, but could only see herself marrying a man. And I'm like, we've got to unpack that, internalize him. Marrying a man. She said that. Yeah. Oh. She was like very gay, but obviously had like some internalized homophobia mm-hmm. that she was like, wasn't able to shed yet. So she said something along the lines of like, she's like very interested about just being with women, but like she can't see herself ending up with one. I'm like, that's because of society, Anissa. Just get rid of that. Yeah. What were each of your like favorite seasons and favorite people? I loved Seattle. I mean, Boston and Seattle, but Seattle for me was one of my favorite seasons. It was my first too, Seattle. Yeah. Wait, tell me why. Seattle's iconic. I mean, they're all iconic, but 
some were more iconic than others. <laughs> Tell me why Se- you love Seattle. I don't know. Something about the the characters on it, and I'm just... They worked at a radio station, Stephen and the Slap with Irene. Stephen and the, the Slap, slap with I- Irene was big. <laughs> there was something also about... You know that you know he's out now. Yes. Yes, I know Stephen finally came. But at the I time... I didn't know that. At the time, I thought that that was so rant. Like, I had liked... Irene so much until she said because you're a homosexual and I thought she was saying it as like an insult and now I'm like oh she was just like she was being honest she was being honest and she's like you have all these problems because you're you're closeted and you're angry and don't take that out on me and I think in some way she was trying to help him actually yeah it came out not listen not the most delicate way to do it right right but you wait here's some inside tea so I was dying to get Irene on the podcast. Yes. And this is like, we're coming up on like a year now of me like wooing her. (laughs) I mean, it's like, it's unbelievable. How, in what universe do I get Rosie O'Donnell, but I can't get Irene from the real world? Yeah. (laughs) No, like seriously, like this is my life. Like this is literally my life. But anyway, so I was emailing with her. She's like, yes, I would love to do it. There was back and forth and back and forth, and then she was moving. I'm currently ghosted. I may have to follow up with a fresh email because she was she was saying yes. Reach out again. Yeah, Irene, I really liked David, who I met oh, yeah. years later. I met when I was in college in Boston, and I went out to this lounge where they were having, like, this real world. Like, you know how they'll hire people just to, like, be there in order to draw a crowd? And it was real world night at this lounge. And they had David and Tanya and one other person I can't remember, but it was Tanya from Chicago. Walla Walla Kidney Stones. From Walla Walla. Yeah, from Walla Walla, Washington. Yeah. Yeah. No, remember she had kidney stones and they used to call her Walla Walla Kidney Stones. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I got there and I was at the bar sitting next to Tanya. And in my mind, I was like, I'm going to pretend like I don't know who she is. Like, Mm -hmm. she's just anybody. And she was kind of, like, suspicious of me, rightfully so. We made, like, some small talk. It gets more crowded. And and this is me. I had never really, like, interacted with uh, celebrities before. David's there. The dance floor is kind of bumping. He's just sitting to the side kind of watching. And I just went up to him. I was like, do you want to dance? And he's like, you know what? Sure. So there I am, like, dancing with David from Seattle. My mind is, like... This is crazy to have this moment. And then I went up to Tanya because I was drunk and I said, hey, can I take a body shot off you? Oh, my God. (laughs) And she was like, "Uh, yeah, hold on. Let me get my crew. So this camera crew comes in and they were shooting some type of like DVD of like real world people outside of the show. I don't know where this DVD exists, but there's video somewhere of Tanya being like, here's a real Boston bitch about to do a body shot off me. And I'm like underage. I love it. That's so good. Anyway, that, yeah, those are my real world stories. Yeah, I was a little too young 
and yeah. then got into the challenges. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, and that's how right. I got acquainted with them. And I was really attracted to Ruthie, I remember. Ruthie. Ruthie. Um, that was she's another always, big one. She's on the All-Stars Challenge right now. Yeah. She, she, she's, oh, yes. my gosh. Man, I, I really romanticized, like, any anything brooding. You know, I was, like, a troubled yeah. <laughs> like, right. teen. So I just, like, gravitated so hard to Ruthie. And then I had experience with the real world physically. I was I had a roommate when Real That's World right. Brooklyn was filming mm-hmm. in 2008, summer 2008. I was living with a lesbian pop punk band um, <laughs> for a sub, summer sublet. And one of the band members invited one of the real world Brooklyn cast members to join the band. It was just for a storyline and it like caused so much drama in the apartment because the lead singer was like so upset that all the attention was being taken from her. The real world really made it seem like she was a permanent new band member. It caused like a huge rift in the band and apartment. But yeah, I was dealing with real world cameras like in my Brooklyn loft, um, <laughs> just watching it all go down. Iconic. Yeah. So yeah, the the real world was like my entry point and then, you know, as far as like reality TV and then and then like along the way, you know, there was like Kim Stoles on America's Next Top Model. Yes. She would go on to open Stoles. the Dalloway with Amanda right. from the real L Word. L Word. Yes. Yes. They uh, had a big falling out. Did you go to the Dalloway? Of course. I ask so many people if they went to the Dalloway and like nobody, like none Why? of the past guests. I don't know. It was, it was actually really nice. It was the nicest. It closed like in a very short, I interviewed Kim Stoles. <laughs> and so that episode, and she tells the whole story and especially like the real L word connection with Amanda because they were really close and had a falling out. So that'll be out like next month or something oh, oh my gosh hell yeah yeah it's wait. it's really good yeah kim just got married recently yeah i did the interview at their house in the hamptons so i met the wife oh. she's gorgeous she's beautiful amazing met the wife met the dogs met it all yeah the dalloway <laughs> it was great i thought it was something just to do with the rents because it was in tribeca because they said they were going to open up elsewhere so i kept waiting for the dalloway to reopen but they it had was... no idea the thing was <sighs> that they had no experience okay he, the truth of the situation is these were two rich kids who had no experience in the service industry right in the restaurant industry and i think they had a third investor i need to refresh my memory but for listeners out there who like want to know the full story you'll get it yes (laughs) subscribe to my show and it's coming (laughs) i cannot wait because it was such a beautiful space and it it had such a great vibe and when it closed it It was was like uh, literally the only nice lesbian bar restaurant yeah, yeah, it was the nicest one I've ever been to. It was so great. So yeah, Kim Stoll's on America's Next Top Model, which apparently on that show, we had Sarah Hartshorn on, who was one of the, the plus-size models, and yeah. I think she was the second one, and she was like, yeah, everybody was bisexual on that show. Well, there, <laughs> Kim told me that there was another, there was a closeted contestant on her same season, mm. and I think the producers were like, we can't have two lesbians on this show. Right. And also she was closeted, but they wound up hooking up like late, like in the off season there, there, there's some juice there. Yeah. But yeah, but then I would say once 
Bravo got going, like the early days of Bravo truly is the golden age of television. <laughs> and very gay. Super. I mean, now we're talking like Jackie Warner and mm-hmm. from Workout and Tabitha from, you know, <laughs> yeah. Sheer Genius. Tabitha takes over and very gay. That was when Kathy Griffin was the face of the network, not mm-hmm. Andy Cohen. Right. And Kathy skewed very gay and would have like Melissa Etheridge and Rosie on her show on My Life on the D-List. And so Ugh, that, that was show. so integral. Yeah. And this is like the like Housewives like really hadn't quite started yet. And then Housewives started maybe like 2008, 2009. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's when I jumped ship. So that's when. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never watched an episode of Housewives. Not even the Brandy Glanville stuff I sent you? Oh, you watched clips. I've watched the clips. Last I've season, never seen. they finally had like a lesbian storyline. Right, and that's what I sent her. Yeah. I wouldn't just send her Brandy Glanville content unless it was relevant because I don't like her. I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version of this. You know Denise Richards from Wild Things? Yes. She fucked another cast member. Of yes, the real yes, of yes. the Housewives of Beverly Hills, and then was yeah. denying it, and denied it, and denied it, and it all got out, and there was evidence. It happened, and she was so freaked out that she left the show. Right. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize she left the show. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the show wasn't it? Oh no, I learned this from your podcast. I was just listening to an episode of your podcast, and it was like something about like that all blowing up after they stopped shooting and they like did the pickups afterwards to include it in the season. Yeah. Like the Denise talking to Lisa Renna. Oh yeah. After the holidays. And yeah, yeah they do that. <laughs> I was a like, lot. wait a minute. I, yeah. I heard, no, it was literally you. <laughs> wait, so tell me, so Melody, tell me your real housewives journey. What was okay. your entry point? Like, what are your favorite season? Who are your favorite wives? Like, let's, I mean, you've already right. referenced Leah McSweeney, like big lesbian energy there. I mean, she's obviously Such not lesbian. Dyke energy. Dyke yes. energy. Like, masculine energy so like combative aggressive tell me so my sister was a huge reality tv fan i was kind of resistant like in the aughts late aughts she loved the real housewives of new jersey and that was the first one i'd seen but kind of peripherally right i really didn't i fell off with bravo towards actually when housewives was like popping off i'd only seen jersey in its early form and then i moved in with a gay male roommate, <laughs> that'll do it. Mm-hmm. And I got into New York. That's it. Before the gay roommate, I was like, that was my first, like, I'm doing this on my own. Was this when Bethany Bethany's first run or when Bethany came back? Oh, I started from the beginning. <laughs> I always start from the beginning. I can't just jump in. Nah, good girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and in this pandemic, I've watched Atlanta from the beginning. I've watched Potomac from the beginning. Potomac um, is amazing. Yeah. But like originally it was like, I, I can't, I, it's too much. So I'm just going to do New York. And then I caught up within like record time, like within a few months, I had mm-hmm. watched all of New York and then I was getting into the gossip of it all. Then I was listening to Bitch Session. I was like, well, I want to know what everyone else yes. is talking about. So I <laughs> got into, I moved in with this gay man and he was like you have to watch Beverly Hills you have to watch Married to Medicine like he watches all of it and then yeah it was Beverly Hills and then I kind of went off on my own this was like four years within the last four years I've watched all of them from the beginning and I'm obsessed so in your perspective I mean and I know it ebbs and flows it's all you know it's all this is a very fluid experience but presently in 2021, which franchise do you think 
is in the best shape currently. And also historically, like overall, like looking at like the sum of the parts, which franchise, if someone's like, where should I start? Where should I start, Melanie? Yeah, so give me those two. I want to know your favorite, like your oh current favorite. Oh my God, favorite. I was going to say Potomac, but then you brought in historical context. I think after last season, Potomac was really good television. I don't think it's worth watching the first three seasons. Yeah, I think you start at season three. So that yeah. you truly yeah. understand the Giselle-Karen friendship. Right. And right. then you're but good the to go. the first two are just... Like, throw away, but I, I can't not watch him. So when I recommend to people, I'm always like, just watch it from the beginning. It's all so good because I yeah. love bad reality. Or like, even when it's bad, I love it so much. Yeah. So right now, Potomac is my favorite. Okay. But because of that historical context, I'm going to have to move to, I would say, Roni, but last season let me down a little bit. You and I are on the same page here. Yeah? Yeah. Real Housewives of New York is iconic, right? Real Housewives of New York... The seasons when Bethany came back, yes, the Bethany and Carol season, the falling out, which if you're interested in the intricacies of female friendships, Mm -hmm. I recommend to your audience that they seek out season 10 of The Real Housewives of New York. My favorite season. The best season of any Housewives show. Wait, is that when they go to Cartagena? Yes. I'm intrigued. (laughs) This is so good. I have goosebumps. I have goosebumps. (laughs) That is the best season. That season... Emmy worthy. Yeah, I've cried laughing so many times. I actually recently rewatched that season a couple months ago when I was feeling down. It just it lifts me up. Whose side are you on, Bethany or Carol? The first time around, I was on Carol's side. Uh huh. Unpopular opinion. I talk about. I give my unpopular opinions all the time when I talk about this stuff. And I love Bethany. Bethany is my number one for life. Mm-hmm. Yet I am not delusional. Same thing with Madonna. These two people are like my number one for life. And yet I can see the truth that they are obnoxious, annoying. Yes. Oh, yes. Sometimes it's like, get off Instagram, delete the account. However, yes. Bethany is the best one to ever do reality TV. She's so good. Period. Yet I'm team Carol. I believe Carol more than I believe Bethany's side of the story. I know. I used to be like, I'm a Carol Moon, like (laughs) Bethany rising. (laughs) Carol too had masculine. Well, they both did. Yeah. And that's why I loved their relationship so much. And they were the most grounded of the cast members. Yeah. What I get from Melanie talking about it, Melanie keeps insisting that it's just so queer and that intense female friendships are inherently queer when you add that layer of intensity on it. it. The jealousy they go through with each other. There's just such fierce attachments there that are so inherently queer to me. I can't imagine why a lesbian wouldn't want to watch it. Yes, I can. But um, especially when there's conflict that I realize that they are so gay. Like these two women, like Bethany and Carol were best friends for seasons on the Mm -hmm. show. And then they have this falling out and it all plays out on camera. And then you got Bethany Frankel, who's like the richest. This woman is making like $2 million a season. Like she's Mm -hmm. running an empire. She's making, and she is hysterical crying on camera sobbing yep. that she doesn't have a relationship with Carol anymore. <laughs> right. If that's not gay, I don't know what is. <laughs> right. I mean, you have the overt gayness too. I mean, like whenever they get they'll make out when they're drunk. They'll go to Bluestone Manor and they'll make out. Wait, remember 
when Bethany and Carol first were becoming tight on the show, Carol comes to her. There's a scene, I think it's like season seven or season eight. They had like sort of just met. And there's a scene where like they're eating lunch and Carol says to her, I had a sex dream about you last night. Oh my God. Do you remember that? No. I've seen these seasons so many times. So it's like all right there. Wait, I should remember that because season seven and 10, I love so much. Do you think she's lying? I think that's a common lie that people tell. I have a sex dream about you in order to put feelers out. Get the convo going. Oh, that's so funny. I don't think she was lying. Okay. (laughs) I've seen people do that before is like a moot or like sometimes people will post like a dm and be like oh like someone just sent me this weird message and i'm like i think it's a lie and they don't know how else to like let you know that they're potentially interested that they're potentially interested and then that's the way to gauge a reaction is the person like ooh, or are they like ew gross don't dream about me that's a really good tactic I've never used that in my real life and I'm somewhat newly, well, I'm a year newly single. And so that's a good, thank you for that. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Thank you. Um, That scene, I just Googled (laughs) sex dream, Bethany Carroll. I remember it now because I remember Bethany's face. She's holding a spoon. She goes, did we go downtown? Like she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And get this, as a follow-up to that, okay, something that makes Carol Radswell even more gay, her best friend is this woman, Cassandra Gray. She was married to this, like, really, really big Hollywood bigwig who died, like, a few years ago. Cut to Cassandra Gray, Carol Radswell's best friend. She's been in a relationship for at least two years with Samantha Ronson. (gasps) Oh my God. It is what? all over Instagram. You see Carol with Samantha Ronson. Happy birth. Just it's all there. You're welcome. I'm, I'm going to need you to send like <laughs> the best Bravo or just like those type of accounts to follow. Carolyn's face is just like, she's like, I don't know who any of these people are, but I really I interested. Know. Well, you probably I know Sam Ronson. Yeah. Carol Radswell, you might know she is a princess. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> she was, she was best friends with JFK Jr. and his wife that died in the plane crash. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I do kind of know who some of these people are. I definitely definitely know Bethany because she became so big on Bravo and all of a sudden there were like all these things about her and I'm like who is this person Mm -hmm. I say I know who she is but she's still kind of like I'm like oh she's just like reality TV I don't know why or how so the show coming out too yeah so Bethany separated herself from Bethany is the most successful person to ever come out of reality TV I would say because like she was the one to create a brand that Actually, like the skinny girl margarita, like skinny right. girl, that's yes. her. And But then mm-hmm. it expanded into all these different uh, sub brands. She's the most successful coming out of it. She was on Shark Tank as a judge. Yeah. She's about to have her own HBO Max show. It premieres this week, actually. It's like The Apprentice and she's in the Trump slash Martha Stewart role. Yeah. Looking for a director of operations with Bethany looks terrifying. I think she is the most successful to come out of it. I think Candy Burris is the most successful <gasps> Who already was successful. Yes. Man, I'm rewatching Jersey from the beginning, because why not? And um, <laughs> I'm in the seasons with Rosie. The lesbian. One of the first yeah. like actual lesbians on Housewives. Yeah. And it's wild, man. Wait, you know what's... Wait, Melody, you know what's so funny? <laughs> 
<laughs> I texted before my interview came out. I texted like a few people in my life who you know follow the podcast and they're like real friends of mine because most of my friends do not listen to the show. <laughs> and I was like, "You're not going to believe this." Like. I got Rosie. And they were like, oh my God, that's that's great. And they thought I was talking about fucking Rosie from New Jersey. <laughs> from New Jersey. Uh... I was like, no, asshole. O'Donnell. The Rosie, yeah. <laughs> Rosie Wakili? Okay. Yeah, she was the sister of a Real Housewives of New Jersey early cast member. And it's so much like... It's a lot of the men. On Real Housewives of New Jersey, you have way more of the husbands involved in the Mm storylines. And you have a lot of the men just like, yeah, so we could talk about boobs, right? And just like all this like creepy, like creeping on girls in public. But there was one scene I never, I guess I forgot about where Rosie's railing against um, strap-ons. I don't know if you remember that. I don't remember that. She's drunk at a bar going, I mean, why the hell would I ever get a strap-on if if a girl wants that? What the hell is she doing with another girl? She obviously want to be with a man. Oh my God. <laughs> so absurd. Wow. That's so funny. <laughs> but I actually think the modern, quote-unquote straight housewives of our current seasons are gayer than Rosie. Like, they're just so gay to me. Like Leah McSweeney? Like Leah McSweeney, like Portia from The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, well, she's just so, she's chaotic by to me. I love her. I love her so much. I, I have a question. When, when these seasons happen, how much do these women know each other ahead of time? Or are they, a lot of them, meeting for the first time on the show? A lot of them are meeting for the first time on the show. But occasionally, okay. listen, yeah. the way it all started, they were real friends. They okay. Were cast as a group of real friends, but like 10 years later. Right. Do you watch Summer House? What's that? Best show on tele. Best show. It's better than any Housewife show. I highly recommend Summer House. You got to start at season three. Okay, I'm writing this down because, yeah, that's one where it's like, uh, I don't know if I can start another Bravo show from the very beginning. The cast reshuffles. Some OGs stay and then they add new cast members in. And there are gay male cast members on Summer House. So it's, there's some interesting sexuality stuff happening. Okay, yeah, I heard there's like a closeted gay guy. Yes. Listen, there is a whole journey. You, you need to understand who Lindsay Hubbard is. She is the queen of Bravo right now. You need this woman. I would jump in front of a bus for Lindsay Hubbard. This, okay. re, this woman was born to be on reality TV. Are you like all in on Bravo? Because E no, has. No. Show, okay. No, most of it is terrible these days. I'm giving you the few things that I think are good. <laughs> yeah. Most of it is not good. The, the selects. Yeah, because like reality TV now, I, now it's on like streaming. There's so many shows. You're talking about Summer House. I'm like, I haven't even heard of that one. I'm just trying to keep up. It's been on for five years. Yeah, there's about to be a spinoff <laughs> Winter House. That's crazy. Yeah, maybe because I don't have cable is why I don't, and I don't watch Bravo, mm. so I don't hear about them. But I do hear about the streaming shows that are in the zeitgeist, and I feel like I have to, like, I watched Love is Blind because everybody on Twitter was talking about it. I'm like, uh, I guess mm. I have to watch this. I'm like, ugh, why? That's the word on Bravo. I mean, I think just currently Summer House is the best thing. I mean, it just, it just, and it'll be the reunion. And then we're about to start with New York and Beverly Hills. I think Beverly Hills is going to have a really great season. And I think New York is going to feel the same way it did last season. Because there's no anchor with Bethany gone and Dorinda right. gone. And even Tinsley gone. Like, I grew to, like, really like Tinsley. With them gone, where right. are we going? Like, At least we have a woman of color now. Yes, that's I mean, true. 
And then we're going to see an old cast member come back. Oh, yeah. Was called a Karen by Leah McSweeney. What we have is like older. It feels like hanging out with your old aunts, as Leah McSweeney says. We have some original cast members who have been there since the beginning who are, you know, getting older and older. And they're starting to bring in girls in their 30s. And last season, it was especially weird because there was just one girl in her 30s and the rest were <laughs> literally like in their 50s. Yeah. Like, so wait, some now we're in getting some 60. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ramona Singer. Wow. But she just ages down. Sounds I mean, like my ideal hangout. Terrible person, <laughs> but looks amazing. But yeah, Bravo, like MTV. Those are like cable reality shows. And then it's obviously the representation is lacking on network shows. We had like The Bachelor. We have Colton who just came out. We had yeah. Bachelor in Paradise a couple years ago. I don't know if you're you're a Bachelor. Okay. <laughs> but ultimately, like what's more impactful? having queers on network or cable because I would like to see more queer representation in network reality TV but I think they because of advertisers and everything involved like they can't be that gay or like they can't really go there so then I gravitate towards the cable reality queers I think it's all impactful yeah yeah and eventually they all fall into the Instagram machine right like all roads <laughs> lead to instagram followings and followings on That's social true. media becoming an influencer yeah. yeah yeah like i don't think it really matters the road that gets you there word i mean i think that the fact that there hasn't been a gay like a lesbian housewife they are just missing like a gold mine of content. Yeah. I mean, the drama with like the partner and the friends and the, like there's all, right. there's a show. I mean, really, well, the primitive version of it was the real L word, but do it now. Let's do it with like a really successful late 30 something right. or early 40 something. Let's see what that's like. And, and, yeah. and they've never even had a gay male. You know, there's been talk, should there be a gay male housewife? And Andy says like, that will be the next frontier but like TikTok, like when right. is this happening? Right. right. Oh man. Yeah, I mean, on, on a show like Housewives, I'd be interested in that. But like on some of these dating shows, I don't know where I like to see my queers on reality TV is like the Great British Baking Show. I'm like, this is a great environment for mm -hmm. me to see queer people because they're all like likable and they're not made to be like crazy or this caricature there aren't like producers forcing them to act insane where I watched before we started recording an episode and not even the full episode of are you the one because our listeners keep asking I've heard of that what what is the what I understand is that people go on the show they do all these interviews and everything and on the show each person is paired with a match but they're not told who that is and they have to figure out who is their like psychologically ideal match and then they have a season where everybody is queer. They're fluid in gender. They're fluid in their sexuality. And just watching the opening of it, I'm like, oh, wow. None of these women, like, do it for me. I, I don't oh. know. I'm like, I'm not interested. Like, there's something about it that just seems like so reality TV mm -hmm. about it. Like, this one girl, she's like, I'm bisexual, which means I love both genders, male and female. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa what year was this? Like, we're we're past like only two genders oh rigid. God. You're this or or that. It was just weird. And I'm like, I, I don't know if I want to watch this. Like, I know it's super queer, but it just seems like mm -hmm. it's going to be problematic. And 
not relatable. Like, I can't relate to any of this. That's happening. I'm going to check it out. It's on MTV. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I tried to find the queer season, though, on MTV, and I couldn't find it. You, like, have to rent it, oh. which is why I've been putting it off. You can watch the first episode for free. It just has commercials. Oh, yeah, of yeah, the yeah. queer? Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, because yeah. Netflix is starting to roll out that show, but they only have the first and second season, I think. Yeah, it's season eight Got it. is the one that's queer. So, yeah, it, it's like certain shows like... Remember Tila Tequila? <laughs> a oh, shot horrible, love? horrible. <laughs> yeah. Right, and I'm like, this isn't the queer representation I want. Yeah. Have you had any of the people from The Real L Word on your show as a guest? No, because I never, I never got into The Real L Word. You I, didn't? I didn't like it at all, and it was very... Your audience would love it. Yeah. I think so. I feel like I have to give it another chance now. I think at the time I was just like, one, upset that... It wasn't the, I was like, I just want more of the L word and this is nothing like the L word. Yeah. I don't know. Something about it was, was off putting for me, but I know that there are some people that a lot of people are fans of that they like. What did you think of the L word generation Q, the reboot? I mean, I'm, I watch it and I'm going to obviously watch the next season. It's. It's a little bit all over the place. They had 10 storylines going for seven right. episodes or Too whatever. Many storylines. So I'm like, you can't do that. There are some new characters that I don't care at all totally. about. I don't care about any of the new characters. Like, I only am yeah. interested in, like, my old friends. Right. You right. Know? Yeah. It does seem, though, that Tina is going to be more present this mm-hmm. time. Okay. Can I give you a hot take? My prediction? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think they're going to have Matt and Tina, like, at, probably at the end of the season. So Rosie is playing Tina's fiancé. Fiancé. Yeah. So which we talked about, about in my interview yeah, with yeah, her. Yeah. I predict they're obviously going to break up. Rosie's only filmed three episodes. So that means right. they're going to break up. And Laurel Holloman has continued to film. I guarantee you. Okay, spoiler alert. But, like, I'm just making it up. Guarantee you the finale is going to be a Bet and Tina. Like, maybe they'll be, like a kiss at the end of that and it's be like, right. Oh my God, are these two assholes again? Even though I love Bento. Like I watched the whole thing for them. Like I same, love them, same. but it's going to be like, Oh my God, 20 years later, we're still doing this. I know, thing. I know, <laughs> I know, but, but it works. Watch. It works. It works. Uh, the funny thing is a lot of our friends actually auditioned for the new season and tell me they read the script what script like the pilot script for generation q but the original one and there have been a lot of changes since the original script and then what was actually shot for the pilot and the original pilot was so mean to tina and i think they really had like whoever was involved in that had no intention of like maybe bringing tina back it was just like the whole attitude was just like Tina's this like absent parent. She kind of sucks. She's kind of like the butt of jokes sometimes, like if she does appear in the pilot. And then they kind of changed it to like, you know, she wants to go live with Tina instead of Bet. Yeah. And Tina's just like chill and has it together and comes in and kind of makes everything. But I, I don't know. So I'm like, maybe there was just like a very anti Tina person and then they were gone. Okay. I suspect that the writer, Marja, whatever her name is, she probably hated Tina. Or, or, or something like that. Like some of the writers probably really didn't like that character originally. Yeah. And when 
our three girls when Jennifer Beals, Kate Manig, and Leisha Haley, who are co-executive producers, mm-hmm. got a hold of the script. They are huge Bet and Tina fans, especially Jennifer Beals. That's like her whole character. Right, right. They were like, no, 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 no. For any of this to work, all roads have to lead to Bet and Tina. So like, yeah. clean up your act, like get over it and get into it. Yeah, that was probably the case. Yeah, Tibet yeah. baby. Because I screamed when Tina came back. I didn't see that coming. Based on like what it I was amazing. Yeah, I hosted a watch party. Everyone screamed. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. So so talk more about the the real L word. Like, what did I miss? Why should I revisit the real L word? Well, like you're talking about like gay representation. Like this is the only show that was all lesbian that's really it right yeah it yeah. ran for i mean all lesbian representation in terms of a reality show there's the l right, word right. and then the real l word but did yeah. you feel like it did it in a in a good light or was it like regular reality tv where it seems like these women are terrible i don't want to be friends with any of them i would never want to date any of them okay so there are like with any sh- there are it's a mixed bag of characters right. and the cast changes like over the years, but they kept one lead girl and she evolves a lot, quite a bit over the three. Which one is that? Whitney Mixer. It's Whitney. Okay. Yeah. I didn't like Whitney at first. So she really evolves. Like by okay. the third season, you're like, oh my God, this is like a completely different human being. Like she wow. really grew a lot. Yeah. And even now, if you follow her on social media, I, I do. Yeah. it's like, whoa. Right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes, there are people in the first season who you will like, like Tracy and Stamey. They're still together all these years later. Stamey. Oh, that's good. They're still together. They had a baby. Nikki and Jill are still together. They have two kids. The others I don't really keep up with, but Yes, there are. I I definitely recommend it. If you're craving that representation and particular, you know, reality is, it is such this, you feel like you know these people because they're not acting. They're they're not given a script. They're just like, this is legit who these people are dating. And if they're still together 12 years later clearly it's real you know okay yeah. i need to revisit it because clearly i'll watch like i just watched the two episodes of mortgage or marriage just because people are like there's two lesbian episodes on it and i'm like <laughs> oh lesbian couple sure i'll i'll stream that yeah. and i really enjoyed it it sounds like carolyn your homework is to yeah. rewatch the real l word melody it sounds like your homework is start at season three of summer house summer <laughs> Yes, and absolutely. it will be very fulfilling. Like so you got these are shorter seasons. This isn't like very long seasons. And the fifth season just ended. So you don't have too much to this isn't like a Roni journey for you of like fifteen seasons. Right, right. <laughs> Could you make the case for reality TV for resistant listeners? Yeah, here's my case. I think when it's done well and you have – when it is – it all hinges on the cast. It lives or dies based on the cast and how authentic the cast is willing to be. And in some shows, you got some cast members who are bleeding out for the camera. They're giving it literally everything. They're being truly authentic. Of course, there are some cast members where it's – they're not really being authentic, but – when it gels and they finally get casting right, that's why I say start at season three because that's when it gels. Right. Yeah. You're going to go through real life issues with these people. Like Bethany Frankel's boyfriend died of a drug overdose. Yeah. Wow. And you saw her wow. go through the grieving process. 
you know, characters fall in love and, and there'll be people who are together and maybe there's a cheating thing. And, and some of that I'm always a little skeptical of. I'm always like, did they really cheat or is this like for a storyline? Like sometimes hmm. I don't – I never tend to believe that somebody cheated, but right. that's just my own whatever. Um, but you get really attached to people. And, and, and they, sometimes they just strike gold with somebody like, like a Leah McSweeney or a Lindsay Hubbard, people who were just born to do – reality tv and it can be just like the highest of highs it can because it's things that no writer could write right exactly yeah that's it do you because you're in this unique position where you get to to talk to some of these people that you've Mm -hmm. watched for seasons do you find there to be a disconnect between what you see on screen and the sense of them that you get when you speak to them directly or is it pretty true so I've interviewed a lot of housewives, former housewives, like old real housewives of New York, like all the I've interviewed like probably all the ones who are no longer on the show. And they are all still clearly traumatized by what happened to them. And it still kind of haunts them. And they're not really over it. They didn't heal the way they were supposed to, or they still need therapy or something. So I've experienced that. And I can tell just by like doing an interview with them, the ones who are currently on it, like I just interviewed somebody from Summer House, this girl who I keep saying is like, you know, made for reality, exactly the way she is portrayed. You know, it was as if I was interviewing, doing an interview with one of her confessionals. She was exactly who she is. And that, yeah, I've really had that experience. People who are still currently on the reality shows they love it they love being a housewife they love being a reality star a kardashian yeah i think the issues start when they get fired and then the resentment comes and then it's i wasn't portrayed correctly and it depending on what circumstances they left on there is psychological trauma and there's damage done that is on them to heal from like somebody like a Kelly Ben Simone. Oh my God. She just put out some, I know how many years later, this real housewives of New York cast member. Yeah. I don't, it's been years and years since she's been on the show. And she just like this last week put out something that was like, here's what really defending something that happened in like season three. We're about to start literally season 13. (laughs) I think there's so much to learn by watching people because at the end of the day we all see ourselves in some shape or form you will identify at some point with one of these people and you will see your own reflection a little bit and the way you react to that person you Mm. may hate them it's because you're seeing a character trait that you have being played out and it may not be something you like about yourself. And that is fascinating. Yeah, it's I like too real reality TV. Who's that person for you that you relate to? Oh, that's a really great question. Maybe there's a flavor of Bethany that I relate to and something that I don't like about myself is like I can be, I can have like controlling tendencies And when I see that, that I can see her trying to control a situation and it makes me uncomfortable. Mm, And I, but I can recognize that it's because then it, then it tells me like, relax a little, like you don't want to be psycho Bethany, like in these like height, super heightened situations. So 
I mean, I really, I really have to like think more about it, but that's the first one that comes to mind. Yeah. Let me know. Yeah. Look, <laughs> I want to know your sun, moon and rising housewives. That's such a fun game. Oh, yeah. sun, moon and rising. Well, I know my, my real life ones, obviously. <laughs> we'll take those too. I'm a Leo sun, Sagittarius moon, Capricorn rising. Love it. We're both Capricorns. So I would say my rising sign is Bethany. Yeah. To start. I would say my moon sign would probably be like Carol Radswell. Yeah, same. Because like she's very like independent and like fly by the seat of her pants and doesn't really want to hold on to any like attachment like in in certain ways. Super earthy. Super earthy. My son might actually also be Carol. Not that I'm that way. I mean, I was I was in a very, very long-term relationship, but I was also very independent in that. It's like I'm a version of Carol that if Carol got into a very serious relationship and was still able to maintain her sense of independence and freedom, like I was able to play that out in real life. And maybe there's some Dorinda in there. I mean, I'm, I, for some reason, I'm only sticking to New York because I really yeah. identify with it. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I, I think... That's a really great question. I think I'm going to watch. It's a very fun game to play. Those are my gut reactions. Yeah. But I do know I, that I come off as a Bethany. That I know for sure <laughs> is I am Bethany rising, whether we like it or not. <laughs> yeah, that is literally mine. I've always said Carol for moon and Bethany for rising. And then I've been like alternating over this last year between Carol and Heather Gray from Salt Lake City. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Thank you for indulging. No, this was so fun. I loved it. (laughs) Jess, where can people follow you on social media and, of course, plug your podcast? Sure. Yeah. So the podcast is called Hot Takes and Deep Dives. You can find it everywhere you listen to podcasts. My Instagram is JessXNYC. And that's where, I mean, that's like my personal account. So like, it's a lot of me if you want to see what I look like, but I also do promote, you know, I've got videos of, you know, the Rosie interview videos of, you know, I started film. I never used to record the video. Yeah. And well, I used to do it in person, but now that it's all over Zoom, you know, it's super easy to record. So I, Rosie was the first one that I, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to record this. I feel like I'm going to want to promote this in a certain way. And ever since then I've been recording and and I've got like the, dig back in the like I interviewed Gina Gershon like that was really yes good. Oh. I know that's on my list of ones to listen to thanks so much Jess thank, thank you, you Jess. this was great it's been a delight <laughs> well Melody I guess we should stop plotting our quest to be best friends with Jess in real life and get to our listener question <laughs> I mean fine But I will resume that right after this episode. Me too. (laughs) All right. Uh, This week's listener question. My close friend's boyfriend's best friend. Oh, wow. Are you all following? I didn't realize it was that (laughs) removed. So, yeah. My close friend's boyfriend's best friend and roommate is super homophobic, transphobic, problematic. For example, says things like, gay people need to be shot. Well, that's a little bit problematic. (laughs) I'd say that's a touch problematic. Oh, geez. It's hard to imagine that her boyfriend has a problem with this because they're best friends. And I wonder if he might share those same views. 
Because of this, I don't want to meet him. When she confronted him, he said he didn't know. <laughs> okay. And not to take his friend seriously. I have no idea how to proceed here. Should I just suck it up and give her boyfriend the benefit of the doubt? I would never just ask her to end a relationship she was happy in, but I'm feeling so many conflicting emotions here, understandably. Um, wow. Yeah, very understandable. So just to be clear, you have a good friend. She has a boyfriend. The boyfriend has a best friend slash roommate. And it's the roommate that is spouting off all of the homophobic, transphobic, all lives matter stuff. This was a longer email that we had to paraphrase, but there were a lot of examples that it's like this guy is yeah. totally trash. So you have Sucks. to wonder if you're going to be best friends with someone like that. Are you also just okay with those views or are you just being like a dude and you don't talk about that? I shouldn't say that dudes talk about, I shouldn't stereotype dudes, but, but that kind of dude where that dude, that dude where you don't talk about stuff and that you're, you know, because of your, I'm assuming white male cis privilege. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just, this is a white person able to like not even hear or not even pick up that this guy's problematic because he's your bro and he makes you laugh and whatever. That's a frustrating situation. I've, I've had a situation where like one of my good friends was dating a guy and the boyfriend himself was like pretty conservative and I was also in this situation sometimes when I lived in, in Georgia, but I wouldn't, I mean, saying gay people need to be shot, that's a little bit extreme. Yeah. Me personally, I wouldn't mind being around the boyfriend. I would never want to like meet the roommate if I had to meet the boyfriend. Like, I don't think anything bad is going to happen. And if anything, like maybe you and the boyfriend will get along and then maybe he'll wake the fuck up and be like, oh, it's actually really fucking messed up that my best friend right. says this stuff and maybe I'll call him out or maybe I don't want to be friends with this guy. Like by blocking people out of your life who you are afraid might associate with people who have problematic views, like you're just going to create a bubble. And I'm a firm believer that the way that real change happens is through relationships and humanizing mm -hmm. our differences. Silence is violence. <laughs> Does that apply? Um, you can still talk to your friend and be like, just know I will never go to like a hang at his apartment. Yeah. Like you can set those boundaries and say like, I don't want to hang out with the guy who says gays should be shot. Right. Yeah. And, and I know like it's, you're upsetting. You're saying I would never ask her to end a relationship she was happy in. Like, l let her be in this relationship. Uh, you know, this guy seems like he's really <laughs> apathetic and it's not great, but it's your friend's choice. And <laughs> let that relationship end naturally. Yeah. And let her go through the motions because I get bad vibes <laughs> and I'm not hopeful. I know I don't know these people in any way but I am not hopeful about the future of this relationship. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think that you need to like wreck your friendship 
with this person that you've been friends for 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 15 years by making her feel bad for having a boyfriend who's apathetic to shitty it's like too too many connections yeah too many people removed if the boyfriend was saying gay people need to be shot that's a whole different story then i'd be like yeah i could see maybe why you don't want to meet the boyfriend and, and when i say like you know it's good to talk to people who maybe are apathetic or have them actually get to know people who are different. That's always like with the disclaimer, like as long as you feel safe and comfortable, because I know that they're, I'm not saying like, oh, yeah, go hang out with racists. I know. I have a feeling a lot of people are going to disagree. And I, I totally get that, too. Yeah, yeah. I This is a tricky one. I just want to say that I, I get the instinct to put all those walls up. Yeah. Definitely. I guess for, for me, my perspective has also changed a little bit now that I live outside my New York City bubble. And I'm very aware that... The people around me might not. Well, actually, my neighbors, the ones who have been here for a while, did live around lesbians before because right. the house used to be owned by lesbians. But I think that if any of them like are conservative or whatever, but they get to like me and Cecilia, like then we're in a position to maybe change their minds and have them think a little bit more you know, progressively about certain issues and that we can have those conversations and it's not, you know, somebody screaming at you on, on Twitter. And I feel like that's where real change can happen if you have the stomach for it. Right. It's not for everybody. I mean, it took me a long time to confront my cousin who I was very close with growing up. Like we're best friends. We're like months apart in age. And then we sort of fell out. She fell in love with a Trump supporter right before the 2016 election. I was really put off by that. I was on the fence about traveling for her wedding to begin with. But then that really, the wedding was a month before the election and I knew they were voting for Trump and I didn't go. I ended up offending her so much that she was like, we're not cousins. Like, we're, like she was very offended by it and didn't talk to me for the longest time. I waited a few years and eventually reached out. I could see she was, she's in love with this guy. They're married. They have a kid now. He's here to stay. I mean, I reached out and apologized and offered to come down to Connecticut for the weekend and get to know them because I'd only met her boyfriend once at my grandpa's funeral and just steered clear. Right. Already, emotions were already high. I think I talked about it on the podcast, too. Like, I watched CBS Sunday Morning with a Trump supporter. Yeah. And it was, like, a weirdly unifying yes. <laughs> experience. Um, we talked. He still voted for Trump in the 2020 election. This was actually, like, a month or so before the 2020 election. But I got a text from her after I left with Allie. I brought Allie, too. And she was like, he loves you guys so much. He can't stop talking about how cool you guys are. He wants you guys to come back. We don't have a lot of gay friends. And that's so funny that she said that because before she used to talk a lot about how so we have gay friends. We, yeah, we have gay friends. But it was like an uh, argument talking point. Right, right. And now it was like they really know gay people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I know he didn't. It was just like he has a gay coworker or something, yeah. you know? And yeah, it's been a weird blossoming, hesitant, slow burn of a 
friendship yeah. with this Ben guy. I still I disagree so much, but I think I'm at least humanizing gay people that he's voting against. I don't know. There feels like some kind of progress is happening. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know. At the end of the day, I think we all have to share this planet and breathe the same air and have to find like that finding common ground sometimes is the <laughs> the only way to like get through this world together and be able to actually change someone else's mind. Because we can't isolate these people. It's only going to make things worse. My cousin and her husband, Ben, have really lost all their friends. I mean, they're in liberal Connecticut. The people who walked in their wedding are no longer talking to them. Like, they're kind of on an island. And I think it's good to send a lifeline and not only isolate them more, people only get more radicalized. That's the thing. Yes. I'm watching a documentary on QAnon right now, a docuseries on HBO. Yeah. Q into the storm. And I highly recommend it. But it, that's that's part of the problem, too. Yeah, that that is the problem, because then people kind of like hunker down and then they go more into they're like well this online community accepts me this like horrible forum or like these spaces that are gonna celebrate you know that I have these views so I'm gonna go more and more and that's like how people get red pilled and you know by being ostracized for something so (laughs) this is a long answer uh, about like obviously more complicated thing but my take and some people might disagree and you don't have to take this advice, but I would just, like you said, suck it up, give the boyfriend the benefit of the doubt. If you don't feel comfortable about being around his roommate or whatever, you don't have to be around the roommate, but as this girl's friend, you should give her boyfriend, I think a chance if she loves him and she's happy and like he's never said problematic stuff like that to to her and he's just like ignoring that part of his friend you yeah. can look past it yeah all right well case closed <laughs> problem solved another check mark next yep send your questions to diking out at gmail.com you can follow us on social media at diking out everywhere and at diking out podcast on TikTok. I love seeing those follows roll in as we refuse to give you any more content on there. But maybe once I dye my hair, or not dye my hair, once I make a decision of what the state of my hair is, I'll put more content on social media. I think that's also been paralyzing me. Like, I don't want to confuse people with this image I'm creating. Wow, I can't wait to 10 years from now, I'm just going to throw all my electronics in a lake uh, yeah, and be done with it. I'm just got to put in 10 more years. Follow me at TGI Carolyn while it still exists. You can follow me at Raven Simone. <laughs> and I guess Melody Kamali. And we'll, we'll see, see you next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, we will. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.